0: So today we're going to talk
1: about love. Before we talk about love, I want to talk about armor
0: bearers. Oh. Do you know what an armor bearer is? I think so. So, you know, back when people fought Mm -hmm. with melee weapons, you had somebody who carried your stuff. Yeah. Kind of like a golf caddy, but bloodier. Yeah. You have examples of it in the Bible. Yeah.
1: In prosperity gospel churches, word of faith churches, they often have armor bearers where the pastor will be preaching and he'll call out a Bible verse and somebody standing behind him, his armor bearer we will turn to that verse and read it out loud so that he doesn't have to be burdened with doing it himself
0: <laughs> or knowing scripture <laughs> or
1: knowing scripture for that matter anyways will you be my armor bearer today i would be honored you'd be honored to be your armor bearer. now that's a lot of humility folks because remember i am the associate podcaster you're the senior podcaster that's right but you're leading from the front in humility because we're going to be doing some scripture reading in our podcast today okay okay I hope everybody out there is okay with it. If you're not, why are you even watching? This? I have my Bible ready. Oh, look at this. A prayer guide. Prayer guide. Maybe we'll talk about that as our book that, of the day.
0: That would be a good episode.
1: Yeah. Book of the day. Is that what we're calling it?
0: Book of the day. Things you should read. Things you should read. Book books you, should you should read. read. It's books books usually a book. Read. Sometimes it's an article.
1: Okay. All right. So what are we talking about today? Uh, love. Love. Back The, at the it. concept of love. Yeah. We're talking about love because I think that apologists people who are drawn towards apologetics probably often uh communicate in a way that i don't think fully communicates uh the depths of biblical love okay that's a very verbose way of saying it that's me trying to say it off the top of my head let me try
0: and let me try and put that into layman's terms okay People who like to argue yeah. and who are quarrelsome, perhaps yeah. maybe prideful, yeah. are frequently drawn to apologetics. Yeah, because it's in many ways a form of arguing. It often leads to debate. Yeah, and it's uh, really easy, even if you're not necessarily quarrelsome or prideful by nature. Yeah, to show those qualities and characteristics when you're drawn into a debate. Yeah, especially when you're defending something that you care very deeply about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's important to remember that apologetics is first and foremost, an exercise in love. Okay. Right. So when we engage people apologetically, the friend at the gym, the soccer mom out on the field, the coworker, whatever the case may be, we're trying to love that person with truth. Okay. Right. So we live in a world where truth and love often feel like they're in conflict, but we would say that that's not really what the Bible says. Right, the mm. Bible seems to say that truth and love go together, right? So if you look at First John, Second John, Second John, verse one, for example.
0: Oh, that's me. Sorry, I forgot. I'm armor bearing, and I gotta tell you, uh, if you uh, keep
1: uh. if you keep doing this good of a job, you're you're gonna be out of a job. Okay, we're Jude. Jude, we're gonna see how well this Second uh, John, 2 John, Second verse John, verse one,
0: verse one. Here we go. Here, Here we, we go. The elder. To the elect lady and her children. Yes. That's what you're going That's for. That's what I'm right? going for. Keep going. Whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth.
1: So he says that he loves them, but he... Why does he say he loves them in truth? Look at verse 3.
0: Okay, verse 3. I Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God, the father, and from Jesus Christ, the father's son in truth and love
1: in truth and love. So that's the second time in the space of, it's basically within a breath yeah. that he connects truth and love. What do you think is going on there?
0: Well, there's obviously some kind of close relationship biblically between the truth yeah. and love. Yeah. So the way I'm understanding that is that one of them leads to the other. Yeah. And and probably it's it's almost like a cyclical relationship. A
1: symbiotic relationship. Ooh. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but it feels good. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. So so a right understanding of the truth. Yeah. Leads to an overflow of love. Yeah. And so. And a heart
1: full of love leads you to desire to communicate things truthfully.
0: That's right. right? Which I think is why in 1 John we see that it is someone's love for God is is their evidence Mm -hmm. of their love for God is the way they act. Yeah. The way they behave. Yeah. Their love shows that they have a right understanding of the truth.
1: And that obedience, that the way that they behave, he talks about that as walking in the truth. Hmm. So truth, love, and obedience are not these things that are in conflict. They're things that you can't, you can't have one without the others, right? Specifically in the context of second John, right? You have these people who are going around preaching a false gospel. Okay. Okay. And they're, they claim to be moving in love, but they're communicating untruths They're communicating lies. And John says, well, that's not love, right? So there is no competition between
0: truth and love. Well, now I might hear that. And as a millennial with my cultural, you know, sort of understanding of love, I might say, well, that's not very loving of John to be accusing people of lying for teaching something he disagrees with. Mm Mm-hmm. And that I think is what we typically see in the world around us is an understanding of love, that love is first and foremost about letting people do and think and believe what they want as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Right. That's not a biblical understanding of love. No. So when you say love, you are necessarily, you're working with a definition of love that may be different than the world's definition of love.
1: Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's probably something that we can explore in another episode. What I want to make sure in this episode is that as we're encouraging and equipping people to do the work of apologetics, that they realize that they can't do this unless their heart is overflowing with love for people who are lost, right? That's, that's my main concern. Which kind of,
0: which comes back to our definition of apologetics, which is not arguing for the sake of arguing, right? It's not controversy for the sake of controversy, right? I think we'd say that's sin
1: yeah absolutely we see it as it's called being quarrelsome
0: being quarrelsome and actually uh john frame has a has a great a great quote
1: yeah
0: uh that if you argue and defend for christianity in a quarrelsome way yeah you are essentially arguing for christianity plus quarrelsomeness yeah which is not at all biblical it's not a biblical witness to what we're to the gospel what we're trying to defend yeah uh so we are trying to defend the gospel and sometimes that means defending it in an argument or in a debate or in a discussion in such a way that we're leading people to conversion to the truth.
1: Yeah, that's right. And
0: so that is itself the loving aim, the end goal that we're yeah. looking for in apologetics. And if you lose sight of that, yeah, you're saying that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I think it's absolutely a problem. And I, I just did a cursory, uh, scroll through some of what the new testament has to say about love and i found some really interesting things um first of all uh in first timothy if you go to first timothy 1 5 uh everybody if russell doesn't get there quick enough let's make sure that we uh make fun of him in the comments one
0: five there we go got it
1: In first go, go ahead and read it first timothy 1 5.
0: first timothy 1 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith.
1: Yeah. So Paul, and in that context, he's talking about uh, Timothy correcting errant doctrinal views in the church, which is part of what apologetics is, right? We mm. we're, we do apologetics to defend the gospel outside of the church and within, right? And he's saying, listen, as as you go about trying to correct these people who have errant doctrinal views... I'm telling you that your aim is not to win, to win the argument. Your aim right. isn't to crush them with your polemics. Your aim is to see them walk in the fullness of what
0: love is. And in that context, it's very much like what we see in Matthew 18. Yeah. Your goal is to, you know, hopefully, God willing, win back your brother. Yeah. To regain someone yeah. who has who gone astray.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and That is, I think, what you said just a second ago is so important when we're thinking about apologetics that I want to say it again. Okay. Apologetics, defending the gospel with the aim of seeing people converted to Christ is not just Christians interacting with non-Christians or people outside of the church, you might say. It is actually very, very often Mm -hmm. confronting false teaching and confronting errors in doctrine within the church. Yeah. And... If if you're not seeing that, hopefully that's something that you'll gather from this episode. Yeah. Um, That is one of the main threats that we see to Christianity is is brother to brother. Yeah. uh, In the church, you know, people who profess the name of Christ— who are teaching things falsely.
1: Yeah. If you look at the history of the church, you see the dangers of, you know, persecution without heresy within, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, and so one aspect of apologetics is love for God, love for the gospel, and love for the church, mm. right? We, we're engaging in these arguments because we love God, we love the gospel, we don't want it to be lost, and we love people. And we don't want the people of the church to be hurt by a false gospel, eternally so
0: or temporally. Thank you. Sorry temporally for that. means right here. Sorry for that sidebar.
1: That no, was good. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to set an example of love, right? So he's saying, Timothy, as you're going out, as you're preaching the word, as you're doing the work of an evangelist, right? As you're trying to win souls and build the church, you have to be thinking about the life that you live and you need to set an example. And the first thing he tells him to set an example in is the example of love.
0: Don't right? be a hypocrite.
1: Yeah. Don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. Don't just talk a good game. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think, we just need to say that to people out there. Like if you're watching this podcast and, and we just need to say it to us, you know, we need to set an example of love. I was going to
0: say, I I was glad we decided to talk about this topic because this is something that I have very good firsthand experience with getting wrong. Okay. So personal, uh, issues with, you know, that the, the winning an argument, desiring to win an argument at all costs. I frequently find that one of the issues I struggle with when defending the gospel is kind of not knowing when to stop. Mm. So I'll be engaged with somebody in a discussion, either in person or on the internet, wherever it may be. And we've kind of both given our views you know, maybe I feel like I've refuted the argument. I'm, I'm, lead, I'm I've, I've got questions this person can't answer. Yeah. And instead of just kind of leaving it at that and letting the Lord work, yeah. I feel like I've got to just keep pushing yeah. until I break them. Like, this is an interrogation Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Until, until you tell me what the code is. Yes. Um, and so I, I push and I push and more than once I've gone back and thought like, you know what, that was a very good interaction until I made it about me. Yeah. Trying to get something from this person that I wanted. Yeah. Rather than just speaking the truth and then letting it, letting it go when I'd said what needed to be said. Yeah. So that's something I struggle with.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, and you know, to be, to be fair to you, I think people would look at some of your interactions and say, well, that doesn't seem very loving, but part of it is just, I don't think you have good tone on the internet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Who does, who does. Right.
1: Yeah. You're kind of just like, Hey, I know my heart, (laughs) you know, that's, that's another topic. All right. He also tells Timothy in uh, chapter 6, verse 11, to pursue love, mm-hmm. right? As if it's very easy to lose it, as if it's easy to be sidetracked. You going to read it? 6.11? 6.11. 611.
0: Oh, there it is. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness.
1: Yeah. So there's an a continual effort required of us as as uh, apologists
0: apologizers as
1: apologizers uh as evangelists just as as christians as pastors mm-hmm. right we have to we can't just assume that we've got the love thing down it's something that we have to as we're fleeing vices as we're fleeing sin we have to continually pursue love uh and it's something that you know until jesus calls us home we're just going to have to continue to work on and work on and work on
0: yeah, and I, and just to second what you just said there, I think every Christian is, remember, we think back to the sort of the principal verse that we look at when we think about apologetics, uh, 1 Peter 3.15. Mm-hmm. He is he's speaking to all Christians Yeah. when he says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. Yeah. All Christians need to be prepared to give that answer. Why are you a Christian? Yeah. How can you believe that? And they need to be prepared to do it with gentleness and respect. And that is... That is an an expression of the love that we should have for fellow man, for God's creation, for the being stewards of the ministry that He's called all of us to.
1: Yeah. All right, moving on to the next one. Now, this is this is we're going to turn in an angle here in Second Thessalonians. Oh, okay. Let's uh, see how long it takes you to get there. Thessalonians. I think Thessalonians is after. Okay. Do you have them memorized? Can you do the song?
0: I know General
1: Electric Power. That's how I remember
0: the first after corinthians okay here we go second thessalonians so i go oh, romans you know it's you know funny though first I don't and ha- second corinthians i don't have the verse and then galatians ephesians philippians then colossians yep. then thessalonians why are we doing this then the epistles i'm trying okay. to prove that i'm smarter than you <laughs> well
1: yeah, you didn't have to do that my friend <laughs> All right, uh, first
0: thessalonians or second
1: second thessalonians but don't worry i didn't write down the verse number oh, okay. see i told you you didn't have to do that
0: <laughs> but uh, he does hey, this can, every single time he teaches, just not every for the single audience time. to know.
1: I'm pulling a Sean. You know what? They probably would have taught me not, how to not do this if I would have gone to seminary. Mm. Mm. Paul says that those who perish do so because they refuse to love the truth. You think you can find that real fast? I doubt it. 2 Thessalonians is not... It's not going to happen. It's three chapters. Yeah. But it says that they perish because they refuse to love the truth. It's not because Mm. they refuse to intellectually assent to the truth. It's not because they fail to grasp the truth or comprehend the truth. It's because they hear it. They perhaps comprehend it, but they don't love it. They don't cherish it. You know, uh, I don't agree with um, John Piper on... Uh, you know, some of his social commentary, some of his political things, some of his doctrinal views. Uh, But there's something about John Piper that I want to see in all of the young men and women in our church that we're trying to raise up in in maturity as Christians. Mm. And that is a love for truth uh, because they realize that the truth comes from God. And he just has a, he has a, a flavor, a feel about him. that just like, you know, I was watching The reason why I say this is because I was watching a video last night and you could just tell this man just loves Jesus. There are probably brothers with whom I am probably a little bit more closely aligned with doctrinally on Mm -hmm. some secondary and tertiary issues, but I don't feel that from them. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like, man, I think you know the truth, but do you love this? You know, is this something that you're willing to die for? Is this something that you're willing to live for? Yeah.
0: So so this love of truth, it's not just truth. It's not just mental assent. Yeah. Like I know the facts and I want to teach them to you. It's not disembodied information. But it's also not just love. It's not just this kind of vague, you know, concept of feelings that I'm trying to impart. It's not just emotion. It is the weddedness of these two. Yeah. It is the love and it is the object of that love. And it is... They're both from God.
1: Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Yep. Philippians 1, 15 and 16 say that we can preach Christ for the wrong reasons or we can do it out of love. You got it. You got it. Galatians, Ephesians. We should have had it like printed out, but I think (laughs) it's funner this way.
0: (laughs) Philippians 1. Philippians
1: 1, 15 and 16.
0: Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel.
1: Yeah. So Paul says that, you know, out of the people who are going around preaching Christ, some of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that, he goes on to say that basically God will still use that. Right. They're preaching the gospel with, with bad motives. That doesn't stop the furtherance of the gospel. Right. But he says that there are people who do it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They do it out of love, and I think it's it's just incumbent upon us, brother, to examine our hearts as we engage people uh, apologetically to ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Are we really doing this because we love God? Are we really doing this because we love this person, or are we doing this because we're trying to prove a point?
0: Absolutely, yeah. and and uh,
1: or whatever the case may and
0: be, and lean and lean on other brothers and sisters in the church to to help you judge that. Yeah, don't grade your own homework.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you've done that with us as elders. Yeah. So uh, Russell, you know, he has sent us emails or text messages, sometimes a little late, sometimes Facebook threads, sometimes Facebook threads. And he said, Hey guys, just take a look at this. What do you think? You know, how's my tone? Should I say this? Should I not say that? Uh, And that's an exercise in humility because we're not babysitting you. It's not like we're following up behind you saying, Hey man, I don't know about that one. Not that we
0: wouldn't. Right.
1: But, uh, but the fact that you're willing to do that means that you probably have a healthy suspicion of your own heart. Which I think is evidence of uh, wisdom and maturity. Which is what
0: we think everybody should have. Yeah. Especially this day and age when communication is so ripped out of this kind of, you know, eye to eye, sitting at a table, talking like human beings. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy in an information age where communication is text and Facebook and Twitter and email to be taken out of context, to speak harshly without meaning to, yeah. to lose the gentleness and respect that we should have as as ambassadors of Christ.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ephesians 4.15, we don't have to go there, but it basically just says that we're called to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth and do it in love. Philippians, back in <laughs> Philippians 1.9, it shows the connection between love and discernment.
0: You gonna read it? Well, I, now that I'm flipping to these really well, you're not asking me to read. I know, right? And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And Paul, Paul actually prays frequently for his audience to grow in knowledge. And love. And to grow in love. Yes. Again, we see that weddedness of the two. You back to back. You can't separate them. I'm thinking of Ephesians uh, chapter 1, 15 through 19. Where yeah. He prays for a spirit of wisdom. Yeah. And revelation. He prays for the and revelation. Of, yeah. re- of God's of knowledge of who God is. Yeah. And a growth in love.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. But I love that verse in particular, because he says, I'm praying that you grow in love, Mm -hmm. but I don't want this to be a love that's lacking discernment. Right. I want you to have a love that's discerning, that's able to not just differentiate between truth and falsehood, but between uh, good, better and best, you know, discernment. Oh, we're almost out of time. You got more? I do. Let's try. It's pretty important. Okay. Uh, First Corinthians eight one says that knowledge puffs up. Hmm. And if you are in the business of defending the gospel, you better be about the business of seeking knowledge, but you also better be careful because as you acquire that knowledge, you are going to be prone to thinking that you're better than other people. Right. And love says you're not. <laughs> love keeps you humble. First uh, Corinthians 8.1 says that love doesn't, doesn't only keep you humble, but it also builds other people up. Yeah. Uh, love is greater. First Corinthians, the whole point of first Corinthians chapter 13 is as Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts. He's talking about tongues and all these things that people value a lot. And he's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you something. All that stuff, it's all going to pass away. Mm-hmm. But love is going to remain. Love is greater than all of these things. And he talks about the, having all knowledge and having all wisdom. So you can defend the gospel from here to Timbuktu. But if you don't love, Paul says that it's worthless. He says you're like a clanging cymbal, Mm. right? It's just, it's just worthless. Um, Everything that we do should be done in love. That's not very profound, is
0: it? It's not, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Everything we should do should be done in love. And we should be aware of the places in our ministry where we are most prone to forget that. Yeah, And apologetics is one of them.
1: We, we we really need to, we've talked a lot about love. Let's look at one place where the Bible kind of explains what love is. Can you go to Romans 5, 8?
0: It's in the New Testament, right?
1: That's correct, and it's after Acts. Oh, gosh. Is, he's a pastor, ladies and gentlemen. A pastor. <laughs>
0: We're not sure why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So Romans
1: 1, got to flip to the big five. Big The big five. The big five That's is a chapter, chapter number. Okay. Yep, and, and then eight, little eight. Little eight?
0: Yeah. Okay. Got it let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven the leaven of malice and evil
1: you're in first corinthians oh my gosh <laughs> what well, is that out
0: these pages are so thin <laughs> i just saw five and i oh, went for man.
1: it i was like i'm pretty sure that's not the right verse all the
0: presbyterians are like this is why they got to go to seminary <laughs>
1: that's right can't just be ordaining anybody. All right, guys. Hey, you got a seminary class under your belt.
0: At least one. That's right. But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
1: Yeah. So the picture of love, the clearest picture of love in the world, in the universe, that anybody could ever see is the picture of God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to lay down his life to pay the price for our sins. And the way that we picture that love to the world is by laying down our lives for the sake of the lost.
0: It's, it's putting ourselves in the back seat, putting the needs of others who very likely don't deserve it yeah. in the front seat. It's, Absolutely. It's putting them before us.
1: And half of the conversations we have are just that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm investing time and mental and spiritual energy and having this conversation with you, which I know probably uh, maybe that's maybe I'm not communicating in faith, but it, it may not change your mind right there. But, you know, and, and it weighs on us as we have these conversations, but we're we're willing to put ourselves second and, and put you first, even if it's uncomfortable and hard as these conversations often are. That's right. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I... I think it's important not just to talk about love vaguely, but to Mm -hmm. really look to the word for what love is. So you already mentioned first Corinthians versus chapter 13. That whole chapter really is kind of pointing towards love. But he says in verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Um, Verse five, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. You know, this goes back to, you know, if if we take those practical descriptions of what love should look like, we should be able to lay that over our own actions, like an overlay and see where we're lining up and where we're not. Um, And we should be careful to do that really regularly.
1: Yeah. Hey, Russell, can you go back and read those verses? And instead of love, put your name there.
0: (laughs) Russell is patient and kind. Eh. Russell does not envy or boast. Uh, That's Mm. not true. Uh, Russell is not arrogant or rude. Ooh, second one. Mm. Russell does not insist on his own way.
1: And we could just keep doing this, right? Yeah, it's, it's really uncomfortable. It's it's a rebuke yeah. right on down the line. Because I know
0: every one of those is not really true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how about if you're engaged in regular apologetic endeavors, maybe just like once a month, once a quarter, you go back through and do that exercise and just remind yourself how far away you are from the idea of love. Yeah. And stay humble, my friends.
0: Uh, Things you should read. Do you have a book today?
1: Uh, yeah, John Frame, since you referenced it earlier, do you have his book up here? I thought you did.
0: It's next to my bed.
1: Oh, man. Hey, Jonathan Lehman, How the Nations Rage. Let's We're reading that. this as elders. Hey, can you tell, tell tell the world what this book is about?
0: So Jonathan Lehman has written a book on how Christians can think better about politics. I think it's probably a good way to describe it. Yeah. So this is a very American book. You know, we, we as Americans have a unique relationship with our authorities and government. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are, we have a participatory government. Yeah, Did I say that right. Sure. So we, uh, we also live in a very divisive culture where mm. anything political is just—it's—it's it's fire and kerosene. It's—it's it's going to lead to conflict. And so yeah. this is a very helpful book. Uh, about about halfway through it, I think. Yeah. In teaching Christians how to think biblically. Uh, how to think politically and how those two are often completely intertwined, Yeah, but how we can do so in a way that spares us the worldly controversy and divisiveness that often comes with those topics. Couldn't say it better. Halfway in, I already think it's worth the price of admission. Yeah, I, even if the rest of the book is just straight downhill, which... <laughs> I don't see any reason to think it would be. I'd still tell you to get it because the yeah. first half is, is brilliant.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan, for writing the book. Uh, Thanks, I'm brother. sure you're not watching this because you're busy doing your own podcast, which actually has thousands, tens of thousands of listeners. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs>